awesome. Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I determined that I would preach this message whether there was one pe- person here or if there was a full house here. I delayed this message from last week to this week just because I felt that there were a lot more folks who needed to be here live uh, to hear it, not just because I'm preaching it, but because of what, is in, what it contains and what uh, the Lord wants us to all grasp. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 is where we're going to pick up and then you can also follow along on the screen this morning. Paul writing to Timothy, his spiritual son in the faith. He said, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's our main text this morning. Would you pray with me over today's word? Father God, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us the ability to hear it and to uh, receive it and understand it. And we pray that your spirit would touch it and bring it to life into our own life today. Oh God, and then help, help our lives to then conform and be shaped by it. And help us, oh God, just to be able to go out and live it and to honor you and to glorify you with our lives from day to day, from year to year, from season to season. We honor you now and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody that desires that can say amen. Amen. So two weeks ago, I preached a message pertaining to our 20-year vision called Out of the Ashes. And uh, as, as really focusing on and zeroing in on having and praying to have a vision for our life and our church uh, as to how that the Lord calls us out of the ashes of life uh, in order to enter into the destiny and the purpose that he has for us. Um, You know, I do think too often we allow situations to, to, to define our destinies. We allow the things we go through to be the controlling circumstances, the dictators of what we do. And we forget that God is the one who uses those situations to prepare us for our purpose along life's way from season to season. And it's never God's intention for those situations to be the thing that control us and, and, and be the very thing that, that stop us. No, he's the one who, through situations, through whatever it is that we enter into or go through, to use those things in order to help shape and prepare us for a greater cause. You know, God always takes the harm and the bad and turns it around to use it for our good. He always does that if we will allow him to do that. And, and so I preach that message because um, it, with that focus that we need to get a vision for our life to not stay in the ashes of, of moments, in the ashes of seasons, uh, whether it be discouragement or disappointments, whether it be grief or hardship or loss or, or seasons of discomfort that we're not intended, God's intention is not for us to stay there, 
but it's to grow through those and to get stronger from those moments and to absorb the lessons that he can teach us, but at the same time to be able to be people of faith, to, to let God's will and God's purpose be the thing that will then lead us and guide us and move us forward. And so we preached it from that, from that standpoint and from that angle because God, we will all, our lives will always in different ways, in different times, will be touched by ashes of life hardships and trials will come uh, afflictions will happen difficult challenging seasons and and people we will challenge we will come against and come into contact with some challenging folks in our life if you have not already uh, say that tongue-in-cheek but we those things are not meant to put a halt to us we're meant to get we're meant to allow the Lord to then use that maybe it's a person or maybe it's a place maybe it's a situation or a phase or a season we go through to then help us to be, to be about to be developed into a greater thing for what he has in order to be able to go into the harvest of this world and show this world hey this world in life was hard to me but God is good to me amen God is good to me and he was always faithful to his word. He never leaves me. When my life gets topsy-turvy, he never abandons me. When, when life doesn't go the way I want it to, when there's surprises around the corner, no, my God always shows up. My God is always faithful. My God always supplies strength. My God always gives me grace. My God always gives me favor. My God always shows me his faithfulness. My God always sends somebody somewhere, somehow, sometime, the right words that I need to hear in order to help me get through what I'm going through. That is how the Lord works, church. Amen? And so, but we're not called to just sit there. We're called to grow through it and to be able to go into this harvest. And so today, that's what I want to preach about, about into the harvest. Let's, let me go back to this main text here in 2 Timothy 2. I'm actually going to uh, read it from a different translation. It's the Passion Translation. Just follow this with me. Paul again saying, Timothy, my dear son, live your life, listen to what he says, live your life empowered by God's free-flowing grace, which is your true strength found in the anointing of Jesus and your union with him, your connection with him. So Paul's saying, Timothy, you're a pastor in a church, you're living life, you're doing God's will, but it's hard sometimes, I get it, because they have these times of conversation and these letter exchanges to one another, and it didn't have text back then, it wasn't immediate. It didn't have, it didn't have messenger, you didn't have the Snapchat, so they could be right away. No, you had to wait weeks and days for a message and a response to get back. Some of us would just be sick and tired, and we would, we would be like, what are we going to do? i got to wait six weeks for a letter response? response from Paul I gotta wait for somebody I gotta wait six weeks for somebody to write back to me we because of the world we live in we want everything right now at our thumbs right and we can't handle a day or a week when it's hard and when it's tough and we think man I need something today I needed it yesterday right but these guys had to wait it out how about that they had to wait it out we don't like waiting it out do we and so Paul's writing him, he says, Timothy, look, you need to be strong in your union with Jesus, with your connection with him, your relationship with him. First and foremost, regardless of whatever it is you're doing in life, right now you have to make sure God's grace in Christ Jesus is strongly attached to your life and that your relationship and your union with him is tight and it's legit and it's real. Amen? And he said, but it doesn't stop there. 
That's all good. That's all well and good for you personally, individually, to have a relationship with Jesus. But it's not meant for it to be self-contained within yourself. It's meant to then go forth and share it with other people. There's other people in our world. There's other people in our lives. There's other people in our path. There's other people out there in front of us that need to see a strong Christian rise and live by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen? And so that's what Paul's getting at. And he goes on to tell him this. And he says, And all that you have learned from me, confirmed by the integrity of my life, deposit that, what you have learned from me, Timothy, deposit that into faithful leaders who are competent to teach the congregations the same revelation. Paul shares a huge revelation right here, and that is that the gospel of grace, the gospel of Jesus, is not meant to just be into one person, but it is meant to be multiplied. And it's actually a following of the pattern of the way Jesus lived his 33 and a half rough years on this earth in his ministry and how he had the one and he had the three and he had the 12 disciples and he had the 72 and then he had the multitude how he took that and developed these small groups of people and then multiplied them and then those 12 apostles in acts 2 3 4 5 6 7 on down they rock the world with jesus they changed the world and so paul's saying look you you've got me let me get a few examples come here Jeremy, so you got, uh, come here, Pastor Prentice, let's do it quickly, I know you're 72 or whatever, but <laughs> you still have pep in your step, you stand, you stand right here, Pastor Prentice, so you got Paul, and then you've got Timothy, uh, come here, Rod, Van, Adrian, come here real quick. Then you got some, then you got some other leaders, right? Don't square off to each other. You're not going after each other today, all right? Save that for tomorrow, all right? So you got, you got Paul who's saying, Timothy, I'm putting it in you, and I am made this deposit of grace in you. You've learned from me. Now you take it and put it to some other leaders, right? And let me have like four or five or so. Come on, quickly. Tammy, Jackie, Becky, whoever right on the front. Don't, yeah, just come on up. You guys are awesome. Thank you. And then put that into some other folks, so you see what Paul's saying, Timothy, what you've learned from me, I put inside of you. You take and put inside some other leaders. You leaders then take that and put inside some other folks in the churches. All right? So what you have now is, is you've got from one generation, two generations, three generations, four generations. And then that is supposed to be repeated and reproduced. That was the original intention from the very beginning, was to reproduce what someone takes and puts inside of someone else. They put inside someone else. They put inside someone else. And it's meant to be reproduced season after season, years after years, generations after generations, where you have four generations deep of discipleship. And so their offspring and their families and their churches and their communities then live for the Lord because somebody took the time to put into someone, they took the time to put into somebody else. And what Paul was getting to Timothy was, Timothy, be strong in the faith, let the grace of God be strong in you, let the gospel of Jesus rise up in you and your relationship and the word of God, teach it to some other reliable folks who can take it and teach it to some other reliable folks and they can turn teach their offspring and their children and their churches and their communities and life will never be the same because the kingdom of God changes generations. 
And so you have four generations of discipleship on display. Thank you all. You are awesome. Thank you. Let's give him a hand. And so that is how God intends for a church to change a neighborhood. That is how God intends a church to change a family, to change schools, to change workplaces. That is how God intends to change communities. That is how God intends for the relationship of him and his people to then be lived out in front of others. Is to get it from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next and have four plus generations deep. So what does that look like? For, for us, what, what does that look like for, for New Life Church? Well, I'm glad you asked, so we're going to talk about that for a minute. Flip over in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Jesus had just, this is, early, this is at the beginning of his ministry, the very beginning. All right, this is the beginning of his ministry. He hasn't done anything yet as far as any miracles or any ministry or any calling out or anything like that to disciples. He goes on a 40-day fast. And in that 40-day fast, he's in the wilderness where he's secluded and isolated from everyone else. And the enemy comes and he tempts him for 40 days and 40 nights. Obviously, we know the story Jesus overcomes that. There's a lot of lessons we learned in that story alone. And then it says, after the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. Obviously, you should be hungry after 40 days of not eating. He ate. The angels came, assisted him, encouraged him. And then it said, he went back into the city of Galilee. Catch this. He went into the city, went back and returned to the city of Galilee full of the Holy Spirit's power. Okay, so God to Jesus in these 40 days empowered him. And then he walks into the temple in verse 18. He picks up the scroll of Isaiah. And this is what he read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So God anointed Jesus to be the bearer and the bringer of good news. God anointed Jesus to be the one who breaks bondages and breaks chains off of people's lives, strongholds. God anointed Jesus to open the eyes of the blind, not only physically, but spiritually, to have a revelation to see that the good news really is good news, that God is really for you and not against you. That there is hope, there is peace, and there is joy in the Lord. If not, our relationship with God would be awful. Why have a, why have a relationship if he doesn't offer hope? Right? Why be in a relationship with someone who can't bring you peace? Why be in a relationship with someone who's supposed to be the savior of your soul if he can't give you some joy when life is hard? And that's the hope and that's the good news of Jesus and that Jesus is the one who was anointed. Jesus is the chain breaker, somebody. Jesus is the bondage breaker. Jesus is the good news. Jesus is hope. Jesus is peace. Jesus is healing. Jesus is joy. And so God anointed Jesus in his time of exile and the time of his being in the ashes of life comes out of the ashes, goes into the harvest and into the world and says, I'm here. I'm light. I'm hope. I'm peace. The kingdom of God has shown up, and your life is about to be revolutionized. He said, I am the good news. 
I open your eyes and you can see again, not only physically, but I can open your eyes to see that God is for you. God has not abandoned you. I know life has been dark for you these last several hundred years as it was for the Lord's people. He said, but now the Messiah is here and let's get this thing going. That's what Jesus does. He shows up. He's anointed by God to change your life. That was the beginning of his ministry. And you go on and you read the next three and a half years of his ministry. You get to the end, Matthew 28. Let's look at this, Matthew 28. Everybody rolling with me? Matthew 28, Jesus says these words to his disciples. He was, he had, he was dead, buried, and resurrected. He hasn't ascended into heaven yet. He was about to be ascended into the, into the right hand of the throne of God. But before he does, he says, I got one last thing I got to tell my followers. Last words. He says this, Jesus came and told his disciples. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So Jesus, his final words were, look, all this, these last three and a half years of you and me walking and going places and you witnessing and being a part of all the things that I've been doing, now you got to take all that and then you got to put it into somebody else. That it's not just for you and you alone. It's good to be saved. It's good to have forgiveness. It's good for your soul to be lifted and encouraged. But you got to then take that and get it into somebody else. And you're called to go into the world and make disciples. And then you're called to take time and teach them and show them and be with them through the ups and downs of the curved parts of life and show them don't give up when life gets hard. Don't throw the towel in because God will pick it up and throw it back at you and say, not yet. I ain't done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. And somebody needs somebody to come alongside of them and show them when life is hard. Show me how I can get through this. Be with me when I don't know what to do. Pray with me when I don't know what to pray. But then when you get through it, God will use your story, God will use your testimony, God will use your life, and he'll help you to help somebody else who goes through the hardships of life like you went through. It's never meant to be self-contained. It's never meant to just be on your own. No, God wants to use your story. He wants to use your pain because there's purpose through your pain. He wants to use your addiction that you were set free from. He wants to use your, your bondage that God broke off of you. And he wants to show somebody else through you, hey, there is hope for you too. There is hope for you too. And so the last words of Jesus to his disciples, he's about to go on up. He says, look, heaven and all the authority of heaven has been given to me and now I'm giving it to you. So God to me, me to you, you to the world for generations. Don't keep it to yourself. Don't be comfortable and content to just hide in your little corner of life and hope nobody bothers you and ask you for anything. Right? No, be ready to give. Be ready to offer. Be ready to serve. Be ready to pray. Be ready to encourage. And while you're at it, be ready to pray for other people. And be mindful of other people. So God to Jesus, Jesus to the disciples, the disciples to the world. That's exactly how he's called you and I to live. And so 
into the harvest? How does this affect us? How does, what does this look like for us over, over the next 20 years of New Life Church? Well, first and foremost, it means that we will aim to be obedient to this great commission. I mean, it, the, it, the church's mission is pretty clear right there. The final words of Christ to the disciples, the great commission, not the lame commission, not the all right if you feel like it commission, not on the days you know you feel like praying the commission. No, every day, the great commission. This should light us up every day when we realize we don't live for us, we live for God, and when we live for God, we're empowered to live and love other people. Amen? And so it's the great commission. And so we're going to aim ourselves to be obedient to the Great Commission, to set ourselves up to be a four-generation deep church of disciples. That it's not going to end with just us in this room. That there's, there are folks coming after us. They're in another room down the hall. They're in three rooms. They're in a nursery. They're in a preschool. And they're in an elementary room right now learning about the Lord and being loved on and served. And it's not just about us in here. It's about them and the ones who will come after them and the ones who will come after them and the ones who will come after them. It's also about everybody else in this whole community and around the world that God will call us to serve. It's not just about us, but it's always about somebody else. So I want to leave with you, in the few minutes I have left, three areas of focus that we're focusing on for the next 20 years. Three areas. Number one is this. It's discipleship. That we will straighten and strengthen the pathways of discipleship. We will straighten and strengthen the pathways of discipleship. That will affect different people, but three of these areas primarily will affect the unchurched and the dechurched. That's just a, a fancy way of saying the lost and the prodigals. Those who are lost, those who don't know Christ those who aren't in a relationship with Jesus, those who haven't been around the gospel, those who haven't been around church. But it will also be the prodigals, everyone who once was, left, now they're coming back home. We're going to pray them home. We've been praying them home. We're going to continue to pray the prodigals back home. Amen? Because they have tasted and they have seen how good God is and they will not forget what it's like to sit at the Lord's table and eat from the food that he's prepared. Because it will truly change your life. We have a resource and a path that we're creating and carving out. That, that we're going to put resources in, in everybody's hand if you want. That you can be a part of discipling the lost and the prodigals. That you're going to take time. We're going we're to show you how. And we're going to lay that out in the new year. And show you how we can take the time to walk with a person. And teach them how to obey the word of God with their life. Another area of straightening and strengthening the pathways of discipleship uh, involves and affects those who are new members in our church or those who would like to become new members of our church. God brings new people and new families our way. We pray for that. And, we'll, and those whom we can help reach and serve. And so it will, we have a pathway of discipleship for new members and we have resources available that that's already being, already has, it's already rolled out and it's in effect now and that we're, that we're working with new families in our church now who are going to become new members of our church. And the third area is with existing and established members here in our church. Those of you who, who are already a part of this place and a part of this house that in 2019, I'm excited, we're going to announce some new things that are coming out that are on the drawing board right now and being ironed out and worked out 
that we're going to show you and present to you for the new year uh, of, of strengthening and, and straightening the pathways of discipleship because we want to be a church of disciples who makes disciples who makes disciples. And, we, and I don't want to apologize for that. I don't want to make excuses on that. I want to be fervent in that. I want to be faithful in that. I want that to be foremost in our church as we move ahead, that that's the only way anybody's life is going to ever really get better and change, is when we human people filled with the Holy Spirit and God's Word take time out to teach and train and develop other people. That's the only way it's going to happen. That's the only way it's going to happen. And so we've got to be fervent in that. Number two, the second area of focus is this, it's leadership. You always have to have leadership. If you're going to go anywhere, you've got to have leaders. So we're, going to, we're working at defining and developing leadership teams, staff pastors, ministry team leaders, lay elders and deacons in our church who will help lead the way in making disciples, developing more leaders, and leading ministry teams. I want to take just a moment and ask these folks to stand up that they've been on a one-year journey with me over the past year. Uh, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, I started and I made a statement and, I, and I, part of our vision moving ahead, I made this statement that we're going we're gonna to develop new leaders. And part of that was we're going to raise up some new lay elders and deacons in our church that are going to step up and, and continue to move forward with us. So these guys have been on a one-year journey with me so far, and we're still on a process of training and developing. Um, we're going to actually install these folks in our church officially in these roles in the new year. But let me have you guys stand up. Brandon, you've seen him today. Brandon Bailey. Uh, James Pittman, he's in the very, you have to turn your neck to look back to him. Um, let's see, Max Garner over here. Uh, Van Nash right here. Rodney Bishop. And JC, Jeremy Calhoun, right here. These guys have, have been on a one-year journey. These guys have been on a one-year journey uh, where we, we have met once a month for about three hours each month. And they have, they, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty rigorous thing we've gone through. It's not a, it's not a cakewalk. We've I've put ourselves through a pretty rigorous training time. And, uh, and I'm excited about what God has already done in their lives and how they have stepped up to the commitment to the plate to serve in greater ways. And uh, so you're going to see more of them uh, as, as the weeks and uh, seasons go by. But thank you, guys. Let's give these guys a hand today. It's not going to just stop with them because you're gonna be, some of you are going to be tapped on the shoulder and you're going to be asked to join a leadership development uh, team. And we're going we're gonna to take you through uh, some training. We're going to take you through some developing time because uh, we sense there are other leaders in our church on the move and on the rise. So don't be surprised if you get a phone call, if you get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, you need to be a part of this group of training. And uh, that's not too far off in the distant future. Um, but I wanted to, wanted to recognize these guys. But defining and developing leadership teams, staff pastors, we're going to continue to look at that, add their ministry team leaders, same, and with these lay elders and deacons as well. Here's the third one, and that is this. We've talked about discipleship, talked about leadership. This last one is expanding our relationship to reach our world. Expanding our relationship to reach our world. And so, 
over the next 20 years, the Lord is calling us to plant five churches. I said that, five churches over the next 20 years. Starting with our church, that we're going to plant our church back into the city of Jackson. I don't know where yet. I don't have a location yet. I just know it's going to happen. Um, and, and starting with our church, we're going to be in a visible, viable location. The Lord's going to open up a place. Uh, we're clinging to the prophetic words that have been spoken to us that God is going to give us places that we didn't build, but we will inhabit. It's not just any place, but it said that we would be, we would be given premium property and facilities. So I've said that a couple times over the last couple year or so. I'm saying it again because I need your faith to rise to that word. I need your faith to rise to that word. I've been talking with other pastors in the city, and they, they say, are you guys going to stay where you are? Are you going to build? Are you going to buy? And we're like, I, like I'd like to say, um, I, really what we want to do is God's just going to give us a place. And you tell somebody that, and it sounds crazy. It sounds stupid. But I'm not going to knock God's word. He said it not once. He said it several times through different people throughout the last four and a half years that God would give us places that we didn't build. He would give us those. And, and so I'm believing for that. And I'm asking you, church, to join me in that if you haven't already, to join me in believing for that. Okay? So five churches in the next um, 20 uh, years. And so I want you to roll with me for a moment on this because I'm going to do a little bit of math. Um, so if you got one church now, times five equals five, right? In 20 years. You with me so far? All right, because this is going to get crazy here in a second. All right, so it, it, our church plants five churches in the next 20 years. That's, that's five churches, okay? Then to say those five churches plant five churches. To say those five churches plant five churches, that equals what? 25 churches in their 20 years. You, you, go, you see where we're going? Then let's say those 25 churches plant five churches in those 20 years. I wrote it all down. That's 125 churches in the next 20 years. Okay, is that right? Okay, I did this math like, I don't know, 25 times. Um, <clears throat> So, so our church plants five churches in 20 years. That's five. Those five plant five in 20 years. That's 25. Those 25 plant five in 20 years. That's 125. And then let's say those 125 plant five churches in 20 years. That's what? 625 churches in 20 more years. You with me? Let's say those 625 churches plant five churches in 20 years. That's 3,125 churches in 20 years. You following me? Those, that's, and if you do that, that five times, that is just 
100 years. In the next 100 years, if our church would start and we planted five churches in the next 20 years, over the next 100 years, we would have planted 3,125 churches. Yeah. So, let's just say minimum, each church has 500 people. I know you can say more, but let's just start with that number. Our church gets to five, and all these other churches equal five. In 100 years, we reach 1.5 million people. Now, something tells me that if a church will do that from one generation to another generation for four generations, and that cycle continues, we will go from one church now to 3,125 in 100 years, which would be the lifespan of our church of 100 in 40 years because we celebrated 40 this year, right? So, I don't know. Does that, like, excite anybody? I don't know. I mean, you're like, yeah, what? 20 churches? How? Look at us. We're in a gym. <laughs> we have to set up every week. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Out of the ashes, it said, don't despise the day of small beginnings. God is excited just to see the work begin. And God has started something in us. And what God starts, he will finish. And I just want to make sure that I don't stand in his way. But that I, last week the Lord taught, cautioned us to be vessels of purity that he can flow through and trust. And if he can trust us to do that, then we'll go from one church now in, to five churches in 20 years. To the next 100 years, 3,125 churches that we could potentially, potentially reach from 500 to 1.5 million people. That's bigger than the city of Memphis. That's a lot of people. Primarily, the Lord is calling us to plant churches across the state of Tennessee. And then we're going to plant a church in the state of Florida. Again, I don't know where. Okay, I don't know what city. I don't know what location. I don't even know where we're going to be yet in the city of Jackson. And I know that sounds like foolishness to talk like that. Because I wish I could like roll it all out and tell you everything, but I, I don't. I can't. I just know that that's a vision of a church that's not going to die in the next 20 years. That our life cycle's not going to go up and shoot down and never go back up again. We all have the life cycle stuff, but our church... We're not going to do that. We will not spurt up, squirt up, and then die. We're going to continue to recycle and repeat ourselves and reproduce ourselves because with this gospel, man, this thing has been preserved for a very long time and it's going to continue to get into the hearts and lives of people to change lives. But it doesn't just happen because it sits here doesn't just happen because it's on a bookshelf. It doesn't just happen because TBN exists. It doesn't just happen because there's a church on every corner in the south. 
No, it happens when people get intentional, roll with me, when people get intentional and say, I'm going to get this good news, the gospel of grace in your life, and I'm going to take the time to show you how to live it, and then you, my friend, are going to become a leader one day, and you're going to set young people's hearts on fire, and people are going to start calling you, Pastor Sidney, show me the way, Pastor Sidney, show me the way, I hope it's not freaking you out, but it's just going to happen because the calling and the fire of God is in you, and because somebody takes the time to teach and train. You may go off to college and learn a lot of good things, and I hope you do, but when you come back, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. I'm not going to allow young people in our church to grow up, go to college, and not feel like they don't have a place in their own church. That they may go away and somebody else might pour into them some things that we couldn't or, or did not. They'll come back ready and we'll have a place for them. Amen. Amen. Thank God somebody made a place for me. I was not born a pastor's son. I was not in a ministry family. I didn't come up through the ranks of the gospel of church. I just got saved. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I got turned on for the Lord. And God showed me his calling for my life. And somebody who's not even related to me said, it's in you. We're going to make a place for you because we believe in you. And that's what churches and leaders are called to do, amen? We shouldn't be afraid to pass the baton off to somebody else. Shouldn't be afraid to do it. And that's what this church is going to do for the next 20 years, for the next 40 years, for the next 100 years. I'm not asking you to commit to 20. I'm not asking you to commit to 100 because that's staggering. From one church to 3,125 churches, from 500 people to 1.5 million people, yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming. But what I am asking you is, will you commit today? Will you say yes to the Lord today? You may not have all the answers like I don't. You may not know exactly where you're going to be, exactly how it's going to happen. But if you just say, Lord, you can use me like Isaiah said when God cried out, who can I send? Who will go for me? And Isaiah and his self said, I guess I'll do it, Lord. I don't know, but you can fill me up and take me to places and I'll speak for you. I'll do your work. I'll be your spokesperson. I'll be your prophet. And I don't understand it all and how you're going to do it all, but you can count on me to Today, I'll just say, yes, Lord, today you can use me. I want a church full of people who will just say, Lord, I don't know how, but you can use me. I'm broken, I'm jacked up, and I'm messed up, but man, that's the kind of people God specializes in using. When David was broke down and disgusted and buried in a cave, you know who came to him in the hundreds and the droves? The broken, the busted, the disgusted, the ones that society said you can't do it. And who did David put in charge of his army? Those people when he became king, when he marched up and killed the head of Goliath and he took and he, took, and he waited for his time to be set in place as king. All those people who didn't have anything that the world thought that they had to offer, God God saw something in them and said, I can use them. I can use them. And that's who I want to be. Here's the thing. It's not the missionary's responsibility solely. It's not the pastor's duty solely. But it's the Christian's calling and Jesus' expectation that every believer would pick up the sickle and go out and reap the harvest in this world. 
that too many of us wait for the leader to stand up. Too many of us wait for the pastor. Too many of us wait for the evangelist. Too many of us wait for the missionary. Too many of us wait on that type of thing to happen. But God is saying and looking at his church with his eyes across the globe saying, who can I trust? Who can I feel? Who can I anoint? Who can I send? Who can I cause to go out and change this world for me? He's looking at you, friend. He's looking at you. He's looking at me. He's looking at all of us that one day somewhere I'll be dead and gone but in a hundred years from now because I'm not going to be 142 in here a hundred years from now we're going to have over 3,000 churches and there's going to be people in here and your offspring and offspring and others that we'll reach that'll be pastors of these churches people you and I haven't even met yet we'll send out and we'll anoint and we'll commission to pastor a church in some city somewhere of New Life Church I know that's crazy talk shut up pastor that's crazy talk doesn't make any sense. How can you babble on like that? I don't know. Other than I just know that I'm either crazy for thinking that or God's really going to use our church for something good. Matthew 9, last scripture, and then I'll be done. Matthew 9. Matthew 9, verse 37. Jesus had been traveling from town to town. He had been seeing a, lot, a whole lot of people preaching the good news, healing people who were sick, showing them there's a greater way to life. And he said he looked out, it was said he looked out and saw all these people, and he had compassion for them because it said they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. When it comes down to it, people really just want to be led. They want to be told, can you take me to the right place? Can you lead me down the right path? Deep down inside of our hearts, that's what we want. Because God put that in there. In verse 37, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. The harvest is great. The laborers and the workers are few. And church, the next 20 years will be pivotal to the next 100. If you and I will commit, if you and I will say yes to the Lord today and be ready and be willing for the future, then the harvest can be reaped. And he will use us. He will use all of us. I want to pray for you today. The first prayer I want to pray is for laborers in general. Who will answer the call of God to serve the Lord of the harvest to reap the harvest. You don't have to have all the experience. You don't have to have all the knowledge. But you've got to have a heart that's willing and obedient to the Lord. However, wherever the Lord would like to use your life, wherever he sends you, you're just saying, yeah, you can count on me. And you might be in a place today where you're really hurt, where you're really broken, where you're really grieved, where you're really just in a dark spot today. But here's the good news. If you will raise your hand to the Lord, not to me, but to God, if you will tell the Lord you can count on me. I don't know how you can count on me, but God, I want you to know you can count on me. And I know I'm not going to stay where I'm at forever. You're going to lead me out of these ashes. 
and you're going to lead me into the harvest. Today, you just want to answer the general call. God, I got my life going. I got my kids. I got my school. I got my work. I got my stuff. I got my busyness. But today, you reminded me I need to be about your business in my everyday life. Who will answer the call of God today to serve the Lord of the harvest? I'm not. Who will? If you will, will you stand with me? I want to pray for you. Say, God, you can count on me today. Today, I say yes to you. Today, I commit to you. Today, I want to be a part of what you're doing in this earth. Praise God. I just want to pray for you. And Pastor Prentice is going to join me in prayer. You grab the mic there, Pastor Prentice. You guys okay with this? It's like, yeah, I guess. I'm standing now. There, you see me. Right. You're crazy too, yes. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father God, we're here before you. I thank you for people who are just willing to say yes to you. Lord, I know we don't get everything in life. We don't understand a lot of things. But there's one thing we can always count on, and that is you. You are forever faithful. You're forever the same yesterday and, to, and today and forever. You don't change. And today, Lord, we're here in your midst, standing, saying, God, you can count on me. If you would just take your hand and put it over your heart. Pastor Prentice, come and lead us in a prayer. As we have responded, we want to say yes to the Lord for this thing, to be laborers in the harvest field of life. Father God, today as we stand with our hand on our heart, May the vision burn within each one of us. May we get it into our spirit. May it glow that not only we sense it, but those that you are calling and bringing in those that have no idea that they ever have a need for church, that you are moving upon and you have already called them and they don't even know it. Lord, I pray that this vision will, for those that are confused with it, Lord, that their eyes will be opened, that they may see. For, Lord, this is not something that can be birthed in us naturally, but it has to be birthed in us spiritually. With our mind, we'll never understand it, but with our spirit, we will see it. Burn, oh God. Lord, like those cattle, and they branded those cattle. Lord, I open my heart to be branded of you with a vision. Lord, so much that it would cause a Sirocco or a shadow on the walls of people's life. Mm. 
Burn it within us, Lord, that we may walk during the times of desperation. That we can remember back to the day we heard Pastor Jeremy burn that into each and every one of us that day in October. Lord, let us not balk at the impossibilities like the ten that went in and spied out the land. But let us be like the two that came back and said, we are more than able mm -hmm. to go up and possess this country. Yeah. God burn it in us. Let us be like Isaiah who was from Tennessee. Because <laughs> he was literally the first volunteer that is ever recorded in the Bible. Mm. But Lord, we are volunteers in your kingdom. Mm. Not knowing where we're going, but... Mm. Our eyes shall behold what we have heard. Yeah. Oh God, each and every one of us. Lord, from the youngest. Lord, and the youth that are fixing to graduate from our school this year. That mm. you will burn it into them. Lord, the young couples. Lord, let them mm. see and feel the burning of that iron upon our heart that it will sear into them. Lord, for the productive ones between 30 and 50 years old, Lord, let them say, uh-huh, 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 that's what I've been looking for. Yes, Lord. Burn it into them, Lord. And Lord, the rest of these that have already blazed so many trails, mm but see a new vision. Mm. Lord, for we have to be motivated before we can even move. Lord, let us be motivated by not just this sermon, Pastor Jeremy has spoke so eloquently this morning, but by your Spirit. Yes, Lord. You have to birth it in us. Lord, they, they didn't, that first century church, they didn't, they didn't, wasn't able to text or to call someone on the phone. It was not their, their responsibility. It was, your, it was you, Lord, that got the word out. Mm. And Lord, as I look at those figures today, and I, I think in that time I'd done research, and there was, in Madison County, there was 278 churches. Lord, what we're looking here is statistically, Lord, is more, is more churches developed from this church mm. than it was in the whole county of Madison County. When men cannot see, you can show. And when you show, people can see. Mm. Birth it in us today, yes, Lord. God. Burn it in us today, Lord. Mm. Cause us to arise above the doubts and the fears and sense the burning of the hot iron of your vision mm. in Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.